You're listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. This episode is with Emma Speed, which was originally broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 12th of January, 2020. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. You join us here on the Waffle Hour. It's me, Paul Jenkins, on the weekend wind down, and I am joined in the studio by my wonderful guest, Emma Speed. Hello, Emma. Hello. Uh, right, so we, uh, we've, as usual on the Waffle Hour, uh, when we get people in to chat to us, um, it's it's always a little bit about, well, kind of like, who are you and where where do you come from? Where do you come from? It's, it's, a, it's a little bit still a black to start with. Uh, yeah. So do you want to tell us about you? Because you are involved in broadcasting in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, um, I'm so grateful for the career that I've had, really, in yeah. broadcasting, and I had a real passion for it. And it all started, really, when I was at secondary school. Mm-hmm. And I was quite shy, really, and didn't really think that uh, I was told by the careers advisor as they do that you'd never work in television or journalism you know (laughs) but um, I had a teacher there's always one teacher isn't there who has faith in you Mm -hmm. and she got me into public speaking and um, doing the sort of rounds uh, of competitions between schools and I was actually at school with John Thompson from Cold Feet so he and I were head to head once in a competition (laughs) as well that's another story for another time (laughs) 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 it was 50-50. We'll have him in, see if he can get his the <laughs> He'll story. probably do it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so after that, really, um, I entered a, a national competition, and one of the judges was Fiona Armstrong, mm-hmm. who was my uh, English teacher's daughter, and she was presenting the news at ITN. Okay. And um, I won that competition, and she invited me to go to London and mm-hmm. to sit in the studio and see her present the news. And that, for me, was just... I think I was 17 years old. Was and that it the was, hook? It was just phenomenal for yeah. me to see that. And just the idea of telling stories mm. is really important to me, still is. And just to be able to tell people um, what's happening in the world and give them insight on that as well was really exciting to me. So I sort of started that journey and I started that journey in radio. Exactly, because it, it's not... We, we'll go on to talk a little bit about your television work in a little while, but your, your first real sort of foray into broadcasting was with... I think it was with the James Whale Show, wasn't it? It certainly was. And that was... must have been a roller coaster ride. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, James is uh, as a, a, a real personality. He's actually a really kind uh, chap as well. But his on his on on air personality was very sort of uh, antagonistic, and it was a phone in show, and people yeah. used to get angry on it. It was my job to filter the calls, right. so I would choose who would come on air. Uh, he was actually over the Pennines in Leeds, and yeah. I was over in Preston in Lancashire, and I was sifting the calls that came on air, and we talked to each other down the line. And it was my job to play the records as well. So I started doing that. I was also on reception um, as a receptionist at uh, Red Rose Radio. And I think age 17, I I was probably had more disposable income at that age than I do now because I was getting paid for actually, they taught me how to drive the desk and how to run a show. And that taught me a great lesson because initially I did it for free, uh, probably for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then they started paying me. But it really paid off in terms of experience and eventually getting us job. I did go to university over in Leeds, mm-hmm. ended up joining James over there as well. Yeah. Uh, ended up on his telly show, working as a researcher for him. That's right. If I remember, that was still a, a late night kind of It was show, very late it? night, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not pre-Watershed. No. Um, but again, I was in charge of researching who came on air mm. and uh, worked with a lovely team of people. And um, so I was at uni, but um, through that, I got uh, involved with ITV, yeah. 
And after a year at university, I applied for a trainee journalist role. Right. And that took me down to London, back to where Fiona was. Yeah. And I trained at ITN in London. Wonderful. And and from that, I mean, there's all sorts of opportunities that, that, that must have come up. And we, you sort of, it was every now and again, somebody will, will drop a name into a conversation, right? And you just happened to mention as you came into the studio, oh, and, and one of the people I happened to interview at some point was Carrie Fisher. That's, <laughs> I mean, now that's, that's a fairly, I mean, that must have been an amazing experience because of course this is right at the height of when you know yeah. star wars is you know everyone was still eulogizing about the first kind of tranche of star wars yeah films. i mean it was probably um it was around 2004 when i interviewed oh, her I see. Right. So, so it was quite is, later yeah. and she was involved in she wrote the oscars at the time so right. she wrote the scripts for that she was very much involved in script writing she was still well known uh, she wrote the film postcards from the edge mm-hmm. as well which was based on her and her mother's relationship which was interesting but when uh, we arrived to see her um it was quite interesting because she had signs all over the front gate saying elderly people um uh, please beware and uh, she did everything to throw people off the scent that it was her <laughs> home you know but we were waiting for her she was out shopping she was really down to earth and her home was beautiful uh, you've probably seen it on television since because i think she did a bit of a documentary reality mm. show but it's very quirky and it was very 30s lots of tiffany lamps she had a grand piano with pictures of Elizabeth Taylor of course was her stepmother and, yeah. uh, on it and it was just amazing and when she came in she flounced in no airs and graces black pole and econ she just grabbed a makeup brush and put blusher all over her face and that all went all over her black <laughs> polar neck we were like oh no and she was just really down to earth and she was just what what is it you want me to say and the interview was all about the stresses and strains of fame really which yeah. is quite pertinent to this weekend's news with the royal family as well but we were talking to her about how being in the public eye was um, affected her and she obviously had her own struggles with addiction mm-hmm. and she was so open and honest with us and for somebody like myself who's you know a big star wars and science fiction fan it was really great to meet her and I've still got the um, call sheet for that day for the crew with her signature on it. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a high point of my career. That's the thing, is that you probably went into it from a, from a, a fan point of view, saying, I want to ask all these things, because, you know, like me, you're, you're kind of a nerdy geek when it comes to these yeah, I'm things. Yeah, very nerdy. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, to be able to kind of meet the person and get, get to the... Do you know what? One of my, I think I don't have many regrets at all, but one of my biggest regrets is not keeping a diary mm. of the things I did and the people I met when you're in the middle of doing the job it is a job yeah as much as you love it and how passionate you are about it and I didn't and a lot of the time we didn't have mobiles so I didn't have selfies I didn't have you know I didn't get autographs a lot of the time you feel like you can't do that because you don't want to impose on the person because you're in a professional kind of situation yeah Um, so I think in a way I regret not kind of uh, keeping track more of the things that I did because yeah. um, I was incredibly lucky to have the career that I did. Okay, well uh, we're going to uh, chat some more about your TV work uh, um, in, in the second part of the show, uh, but we're going to uh, focus on your music choices now, if that's alright. Now, yeah, sure. Kirsty McColl uh, was a, a, a little light bulb went off in my head. I love Kirsty. We played yeah. obviously around Christmas time. You always play Kirsty McColl, but it's it's the there are there are some other fantastic songs that uh, she's got in her back catalogue. Yeah, so one of the documentaries that I was able to make once mm. I moved on from journalism to documentary production was um the story of fairy tale of new york the song right so we interviewed 
uh, sadly Kirsty had passed away by mm. then so we interviewed her family and we talked to them and her boys and it was a very moving uh, documentary to make so we told the story of the words and the v- music video and also Kirsty and um, Shane as well mm-hmm. and um, this song in particular days I just like the sentiment behind it it's about moving on it's about not being frightened um, by life anymore she says and it also happened to be out around the time um, that my grandma passed away and I was very close to her and this always reminds me of her fantastic this is Kirsty McCall You join me back in the studio for the Waffle Hour. I'm here with Emma Speed. Uh, we've been talking all things uh, television and radio in the in the uh, first part of the interview. And uh, we've, we've just been talking about the kind of range of work that you would have done in that sort of television career and about being around TV studios. Um, I had the pleasure to, to da- yesterday of, of, of taking the BBC tour with my boys yeah. uh, and just getting to see the vastness of some of those studios and wh- where the magic happens. Yeah. But you've had that as, as your daily routine as, for, for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I started in journalism which gives you a really good grounding for factual television so most of my career was around that but I've worked on documentaries I worked on the Heaven and Earth show which was a live show always exciting doing live stuff and that was with Gloria Honeyford Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked a little bit on drama though I don't think that was my forte I prefer something that's more immediate and shooting one scene can take a day in drama (laughs) so that was a challenge and um, I've also worked on current affairs shows like Panorama and and um, debate shows like Question Time as well. So there must be a real heavy research element into what's going on with all of those particular yeah. shows. <laughs> there really is, and I'm honestly, I've never lost it. I absolutely love that kind of quest for facts. And mm. of course, when I started out, I hate to say it, there was no internet. No. So we were literally carrying these huge books from the library, from the from ITV library, to go and research cuttings and things like that, and we'd get cutting books out. Mm. But then the internet came in, um, probably around 1992 and that all changed everything and even to this day I'm always researching either for work or trying to find new facts and new things so yeah a big part of that was finding the story through the interviews as well and weaving that story together. Do you think it's actually helped or hindered people in terms of documentary making knowing that their subjects are probably much more sort of have much more access to all that research as well that the people are sort of genned up on things a little bit more now because it's you know it's two touches away to check a fact whereas before actually maybe people were a little bit more honest and open because they I think it's less about the interviewees Mm. and more about the fact that we always work uh, and I work at a university Mm. and we always try and make sure that our students understand that they need to research facts by picking a phone up and speaking to somebody and the the tendency now is to over and over reliance on the internet you know wikipedia isn't always correct Indeed. you know and so it's making sure that you maintain those journalistic that journalistic integrity and actually speak to people and be confident enough to get the story from people the biggest there's a story in everybody mm-hmm. you know whether you're in morrison's in ramsbottom or waiting at a bus stop or there's everybody's got a story so it's most important to learn how how to speak to people yeah and that that sort of i think people appreciate as well if if you do the checking as well to say actually oh you've you've done this and then they go oh wow you researched that's this particular yeah. they're more likely to open up to you aren't they yeah 
and in documentaries you're writing a big part of the script mm. it's down to you to sit in an edit suite weave the pictures together in the interviews and that should guide you in terms of what the story is and you're writing a script so it's really really important that you check 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 what you're writing and that's you, you mentioned about getting this across to students uh, is University of Central Lancashire yeah in Preston that. yeah mm. so yeah uh, now th- you were telling me about some fascinating things and you said that drama is not necessarily your forte but actually a really exciting project that you were telling me about about soap operas that, that they're yeah. working on as part of that yeah so um, I think the thread that sort of describes me really is storytelling as I've mentioned and this was about um, soap in a week so I was able to sort of bring my previous um, contacts from ITV Mm -hmm. um, to campus and what we did was from start to finish from I think we started on the Sunday and we finished on the Friday Mm -hmm. so it's actually less than a week yeah less than a week in total we uh, came up with an idea for a soap we scripted it we uh, casted the actors some of which were Cory uh, crew Cory actors and Emmerdale actors oh, too okay. so we had 50 actors from Emmerdale Cory and all the crew they came to campus and we worked with them to create this fantastic soap by the end of the week and it was such an emotional experience for the students because they got to work with other students they'd never normally meet um, it was very uh, intense it was very pressured uh, some people didn't survive the week didn't make the cut yeah you know um, that's very intense yeah you? well it taught them about you know failing as well and how important failure is to teach us things mm-hmm. um so it was a fantastic idea um it came, it was uh, created uh between us between itv mm-hmm. a chap called mark bickerton and uh, a close friend of mine called aj reed who's mm-hmm. also local and we came up with the idea and and amazingly we made it happen at uclan uclan are very good at working with industry and making learning relevant yeah. so we actually had a street built on campus and you managed to this in within a week no we already oh, had that had <laughs> so that was part of our pitch really was yeah. look we've got a set yeah come to us and make this happen brilliant so um so we'd already built the um set the drama set and we set up a course in um uh continuing drama as well off the back of it so people could come to you clan and learn how to make a soap so well that's i mean that's an amazing see i've I've worked in theater says i've done play in a day with with kids in primary schools Um, but the idea of doing a full soap in a week that's that's that is such a turnaround i mean it must be like pitching on day one and then casting on day two and then script writing and just everything every it just must be so intense absolutely and we've actually gone on to do two more we uh, sort of borrowed the in a week format Mm. and we've done a musical in a week so we worked with West End producers um, and we got um, some famous people in some well-known Broadway um, stars actually Mm. came to us and worked with our students and we wrote and produced a musical in a week uh, for children in need and we were on the telly with that as well and then recently um, one of my old bosses is a real kind of Doctor Who nut (laughs) and we did uh, Doctor Who in a week wow so what we did was recreate an old episode that had been lost by the BBC. We had the scripts, we had photos, so our fashion students got involved, our media production students got involved, um, all kinds of different disciplines worked together to recreate this episode. We filmed it in black and white or, you know, edited it in black mm. and white, and the BBC have taken t- looking at taking it up to put it on Blu-ray. 
That is brilliant, so, especially with I know that the, the new BritBox thing they've just released recently. Uh, that they're focusing on old Doctor Who episodes as part yeah. of that, and there's a, there's a real sort of I know from literature terms, from speaking to, to authors who are writing for the new Doctor Who series, there's still that wider universe outside the TV yeah. show. That I mean, the Doctor Who Doctor universe who fans, being the operative word. The, the, yeah. What is it? The the, the Hoover, I, can't, I can't remember the Whovians. That's, that's it, right. That's it, we're Whovians, aren't we? Um, I'd like to be able to tell you which episode it was, but <laughs> I've, I, honestly, I'm not. Not, I'm not that much into it. I like sci-fi, but it's my boss has actually got a PhD in um, Doctor Who and things like that. Right. So um, he's absolutely, and he really has. I'm not joking. His PhD is around, um, you know, how Doctor Who shaped drama and that kind of thing. Yeah. So he would know the episode title. But yeah, so we're very sort of innovative in how we work with industry and media. And my job really is about creating those opportunities rather than the teaching side. Fantastic. Okay, well, we're gonna, we've got one more thing uh, which we really want to get to grips with. I, I kind of trailed this before the show started. We're going to talk a little bit about bees, uh, which, <laughs> yeah. is, which if anyone knows me, it's also a subject of, uh, close to my own heart. I, I got taken over by bees a couple of summers ago, and I'll mention <laughs> that too. Uh, but uh, before we do, we've got uh, a very short musical interlude. Uh, we've got Old Town Road. Uh, now, why have you chosen this one in particular? I, I think a big part of my job is bringing different disciplines together. Mm. So we get medical students working with media students. We get the media outside working with I don't know our law students so magic happens when you mix disciplines and for me this song I just think it's so clever it's got Miley Cyrus's dad what's his yeah. name it's, it's uh, Billy Ray Cyrus I believe yeah. and the other chap yeah and Laz and, <laughs> and I just love the way it's mixed different uh, musical genres together mm. to create something quite magical yeah and the version we have is I think, I think it's sort of a slightly pared down version and slightly a slightly cleaner for radio version yeah there's a few rude words in the longer there, version there might be yeah that might explain why we've only got one minute 40 of it but it still gives you an idea of the language we're using this is Lil Nas you're on the valley's very own 104.7 Rossendale Radio. You're listening to the Weekend Wind Down with me, Paul Jenkins, and this is our waffle interview. And uh, we're speaking to Emma Speed. Hello. Uh, we've been talking to uh, about all sorts of things to do with uh, TV and radio, but there's another type of language, uh, which we, which is actually how we sort of came in contact with yeah. each other a little while ago. Yeah. Um, and it's your work with bees. <laughs> yeah, I'm still learning about bees, yes. but it's always been one of my ambitions to. Um, to be a beekeeper Mm. I've always uh, been interested in it Um, I live my life at a million miles an hour normally on a day-to-day basis and I'm used to that working in broadcasting Mm. Um, but I wanted something that would really get me to slow down be more methodical think Mm. better and also you know we're all talking about climate change at the moment and the environment and mm. i wanted to do something positive towards that as well and um, so i was fortunate enough last year for the summer seat um a, a community group mm-hmm. to sponsor me to pitch for money from berry council and i set up a village beehive Fantastic. um with the help of um the preston bee center actually okay. and we got a colony of bees we got a very interesting hive which is a long hive with a glass side on it so you can see the bees you can see the bees doing their doing their thing yeah <laughs> and um and i went on a course and i've now got a new mentor i've got a mentor who's a gentleman who lives in the village um mm. steve ogden who's a fantastic mentor 
mentor and he was a beekeeper for around 40 years and my son Monty has also got into beekeeping and he's excellent at it because he's much more disciplined than I am and and remembers facts more so he's really good on reading up on the bees and I've seen some film footage of Monty in his in his full suit yeah. going doing the doing the bee So work. he's only eight, yeah. yeah. And it's, he's it's, it's amazing, and I think he's doing work at, at primary school, isn't he? That's yeah. The, so yeah. you actually helped us get the hive. In fact, I must brief them on this for when you go into Old Hall Primary School. You helped us edit a video um, for us to pitch for some funding to set up a hive at the school, mm. and we won and we got the funding it was it was lovely to see when that came through because yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now i didn't do the hard work the hard work <laughs> was flying a drone and doing there was it there was a flight of a bumblebee wasn't there yeah was well that was preston bee center we were yeah. so grateful to them but you we didn't have anyone to edit it in the format we wanted and you stepped in at the last minute it really was last minute and we were so grateful and in order to get the funding you had to have this video and as i say we got the funding the hive was set up last minute at the end of the summer beginning of autumn sort of October time and I'm now working with Mrs Hornsby who's the teacher at Old Hall right. who's doing it and we're checking on them we can't open the hive while it's so cold yeah, and when it's no. raining yeah because they sleep during the winter or they, they're dormant during they're dormant the yeah. um, they still come out if it's sunny day um, and warm enough uh, but because they're a new colony we have to feed them as well so yeah. we've got um, icing um, cake fondant okay. in there so they can have that sugar and uh, we're checking on them sort of weekly mm. we'll probably open the hive again at the end of February and the children we have six suits so we'll rotate the suits and the children will have a mentoring session with Steve who'll come in and talk about the bees so it just teaches children that bees are something not to be afraid of and also as you say they've got their own language when you learn about bees it's fantastic the way they move the way they if you look at the entrance to the hive they'll be doing a little dance Mm. and this is to tell their uh, bee friends where the pollen is Great. So they'll so, actually tell them where to go foraging for the pollen. Because um, the the whole bee colony thing, to, without wishing to get too David Attenborough about it, there's a, there's a there's like a hierarchy even within oh, the, even within phenomenal. the colony, isn't there? Yeah. So there are everybody has a job. Every bee has a job. There are even uh, undertaker bees. So there are bees who go around the hive removing any dead bees. Any bees that couldn't quite make it that day. And summer bees die off because they only live for six weeks, but winter bees live a bit longer to look after the queen. So when I did an inspection with Mrs Hornsby at Old Hall, couple of months ago there were lots of dead bees and we we're like oh no what's that and yeah. unfortunately that was they'd all been chucked out to they were the dead summer bees mm. and the funeral bees had chucked them out taken them out yeah. i mean that, that for the kids at, at old hall primary they must in a way that's a really really positive message say so, you know what these bees have done, but actually they're, they're part of a bigger well, cycle it's teamwork as well the whole thing is about teamwork so there's a group that are there just to groom and look after and feed the queen there are drones who do the hard work building the wax all that wax honeycomb is built by them mm. um so th- everybody has their place everybody has a job um and it, they all work together to create these phenomenal structures in the hive mm. as well of the honeycomb and i think for the kids as well there must be lots of teaching points there must have been you know lots of examples of it now they, they're probably inspired to write stories or to, to you know we'll, we'll be we'll be looking at poetry on well, the day i go well, in a world book day monty so. was quite inspired by the way the honeycomb um you can get so much space by building the hexagonal shapes so we're, and he's a tessellation thing going on with maths yeah well. so he drew an idea um for an engineering competition as how we could create housing like that Mm. so 
yeah, it really is inspiring and they're a very, very clever species. There are 22,000 species of bee, so there are a lot of them, <laughs> but there are also a lot dying off, so that's why it's important to keep hives. Right, so we'll keep we'll keep that going. Yeah. So what, what, we'll, what we'll try and do is in the summer, I'll try and, actually I'm going into the, the school in March, I might, might see if we can get some photographs for, oh, uh, for Rossi Del Radio. Maybe we can even, uh, as, as, the, maybe, as time goes on, the, the valley today, I'm almost certain that this is the sort of thing that they, they'd be interested in. Maybe we could get some people down from the school and have, uh, maybe get some kids on here. We'll see, oh, see they'd love that. There. Yeah. Well, I'll have a chat to them. Thank um, you. It's been absolutely fantastic, uh, Emma, having you in the Thank studio. Thank you for today. having me. Uh, we've got uh, we've got one last song choice for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I always like it when somebody chooses the Beatles songs because <laughs> it, it it means I cover I'm covered because otherwise I'm just playing the Beatles songs every week. But if people choose them, it's like well I it was in there anyway. Uh, you've gone for Penny Lane. Yeah. So I I had um, a little girl in 2018 and. Um, Monty was on a school trip uh, to the Beatles Museum over in Liverpool mm. and he and his friends thought that Penny might be a good idea for a name for her and nice. um, this is while I was still pregnant and lo and behold when she did come uh, they actually played this song in the operating theatre because we had a C-section <laughs> so they had this on full blast as she arrived so it's very much her song and uh, we have a, we got a gift for her christening of a, an original record of it as well of Penny Lane so she knows it well That's wonderful Rema it's been absolute delight talking to you this is the Beatles with Penny Lane so there you have it another Waffle the Bite Size podcast is over thank you very much to Emma Speed for coming in to talk about television and radio and all of her experiences meeting Carrie Fisher I've met someone who met Carrie Fisher I'm very very excited by that uh, and of course that wonderful insight into, into beekeeping uh, and about how you keep bees and the language of bees and all those sorts of things that we were talking about it was absolutely brilliant having you in the studio we'll be having more updates in the coming weeks about Rowan Ardill's attempts to do his 20 2020 and of course my training schedule as well uh, as I mentioned in the uh, in the interview uh, but for the time being uh, we're going to say goodbye for this week uh, next week we'll have another guest in the studio and we'll be talking all things words as ever on Waffle my thanks go out to Lee Ball and to Melanie Kemp for their work on Waffle the Bite Size podcast and of course uh, to Rossendale Radio who the podcast is made in association with we will see you next week